If you turn your Bibles to John chapter 15, as we transition from chapter 14 to chapter 15, we'll look at the first uh, 11 verses today uh, and this incredibly poignant, beautiful picture of the vine and the branches. And I would remind you, they've now left the upper room, so they were on the western side of Jerusalem. Um, They're going to go around what we would call the Temple Mount. They'll probably walk through, likely, the Hinnom Valley, skirt along the edge of the Temple Mount, uh, get to the the other side of the Temple Mount and and walk up uh, the Kidron Valley up to what is today kind of covered with houses, but back then would have been covered with vineyards and olive groves. And so Jesus is now going out for his final evening with the disciples. He's met with them privately. Uh, He's now taking a little bit of a walk, a stroll, if you will. And so these are the final words that Jesus is going to speak before he's actually arrested. And so this is important to the Lord. And it is not a mystery to me that it's also the final or the seventh I am statement. As Jesus says, I am the vine. I'm the vine. And you are supposed to abide in me, stay in me, set up home, dwell in me. And he's speaking to them in a way that up to this point, he really hasn't gotten this personal uh, for them individually. But he's saying, look, I I, want to leave you with some things. And so he says, I am the vine. And you are the branches. He gives us a secret, really, to fruitfulness and to joyfulness in our walks with the Lord. He says, look, it's going to be tough, guys. This is going to be hard. You're going to go through some things, but I want you to have joy. I want you to have peace. I want you to be fruitful. And so here's the secret to it. And so we'll pick up in verse 1 here in John chapter 15 uh, with our responsibility to to abide and at the same time our privilege to be attached to Jesus, that it's really about him and not about us. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this amazing passage. Lord Jesus, that you would have uh, taken this time to walk with the disciples through those dusty streets and, Lord, down those trails to the Mount of Olives and then head out through this vineyard and no doubt using it uh, as an example of what you were speaking of as you wandered through the vineyard Lord, using that object lesson, we pray that we'd receive this day all that you have for us. Lord, would you speak to us by your spirit, through your word, in Jesus' name, amen. Verse 1, John chapter 15, and Jesus interprets this one for us so we don't have to guess what he's talking about, I am the vine. And so he says very directly, I am the vine. God is the vine. Christ is the vine. He, he is the one about whom this, this story, this parable, uh, this, this vignette of Christian living uh, is written. Jesus is the I am, and the I am is the vine. And my Father is the vine dresser. And so you can see again here the work of the Son and the work of the Father together. There is a vineyard. That vineyard was very fruitful, paid for uh, by the Lord Jesus. He's going to make that payment very shortly with his own life. He's going to purchase the vineyard. The father is going to care for the vineyard, but the vine that's in the vineyard is Jesus. And so he makes this statement. 
Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And before you get uh, very far in your own thinking here, so many have taken this passage and wrongly made it an issue of salvation. This is not Jesus talking to unbelievers. This is Jesus talking to believers, his disciples. He's speaking to them about fruitfulness in their life, not about salvation. And he makes that extremely clear. And there is a a little bit of a translational issue because the word that's used here that's translated uh, to take away really is also the word, it's ario, and it means to also lift up. And so the Lord's really saying here, look, if you're a branch that's not bearing fruit, if you're a dead branch, I want to lift you up. I want to make you fruitful. Why? Because you've been created in Christ Jesus for exactly that. God has created you to be fruitful. He expects, he wants, he desires for you to have the joy of being fruitful in your Christian walk. And part of the problem is, is that for many Christians, their fruitfulness is limited by the fact that they meet with God for about an hour every Sunday. And I'm thankful that every last one of you is here. But if this is your only time that you're grafted into the Lord, if this is the only moment of every week that you actually sit down and abide with Jesus, if this is the only time that you come in contact with God's word, if this is the only time that you pray, if this is the only time that you spend with the Lord, then I want to say something to you that's going to sting a little bit, but it's also going to be very true. You won't be very fruitful. Because to be fruitful in Christ is to abide in the vine. It's to never leave. It's to be in the presence of the Lord 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's not to come and meet with the Lord for a few minutes. It is to have your very being in him. You can't live without him. You always want to be near him, his word and his people. And so every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it. Anybody in here been pruned by the Lord? Oh, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. But it's not easy sometimes being pruned, amen? Probably most of us in this room have been unruly branches at times. We've had a few suckers, a few shoots. There's been a few issues with the growth that's been in our life, and some of it has not been of the Lord. And so he's giving us a lesson about fruitfulness. Notice what he says. That it may bear more fruit. You see the purpose? He's the vine. The father's the vine dresser, the pruner, if you will. He doesn't want you to be fruitless. He wants you to bear more fruit. That's the secret to joy. The secret to your life in Christ is to bear fruit. Unfortunately, some of us are baskets of raisins. It was fruit that came out a long time ago when we got saved, and it's still in the basket, and it's really dried up and ugly. It's still fruit. But it's last month's fruit, last year's fruit, last week's fruit. Maybe it's fruit from a decade ago in some of your lives. The Lord wants you producing fruit today. 
for his name's sake and for his kingdom. It's why you're here. You're already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. You're already saved. He's saying, look, you're already clean. I picked you up out of the miry clay. I put your feet upon the rock. You're already clean. You, You don't need to be washed again. I've already saved you. You're going to heaven. But you should go to heaven having produced a ton of fruit for the Lord. Not three grapes that fought with each other. No, I'm the better grape. No, I'm the better grape. We've only got three of us. Somebody has to be the best. You want to have so much fruit in your life that they could argue all day long. They'll never bump into each other. You want to be fruitful for the king and for the kingdom. And then he begins to give us this secret to abide in me. The word abide, meno, parameno. It, it means to dwell in, set up home. It's more than just hang around. It is to find one's wealth of being in the presence of someone else. It's to be so connected is to be irremovable from that place. We would call it to set up home. When someone comes to stay with you, there are temporary visitors, Amen. And then there are those who live with you. We usually call them family. Family abides. Family sets up home. Family knows the intricacies of everything of family life. You see, family is different than someone who visits. Please, in Jesus' name, don't just visit the Lord. Make him your home. Abide in him abide in me and i in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine neither can you unless you abide in me he's making it very clear you see if you chop a branch off of a grapevine and you drop it on the ground it is going to die it's a fact it's a fact of botany but it's also a spiritual truth When you cut something off from the water of life, when you cut something off from the bread of life, when you cut something off from the very source of its life, it will die. And it will not bear fruit. So if you are cut off from Christ the Son and God the Father, if you remove yourself from the vine, you're not going to bear fruit. You're going to be fruitless. And we do that when we sin. We do that when we will not follow God's word. We will not walk in his way. When we do things our way, we're saying, God, could you kind of cut me off the vine for a little while? I want to be wild. And here's the problem, because you are one of God's kids, you immediately begin to shrivel up. And you've met shriveled up Christians. Maybe you're here today and you are one of those shriveled up Christians who's been cut off from the vine, and you're wondering why you're withering and dying. There's hope for you. Because he'll graft you and has grafted you, and though you may seem like you're cut completely off, there's still a little bit of connection there called grace. And so let him do what he needs to do. And that's the picture with the remainder of this passage. 
For I am the vine, and you are the branches, and he who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. Do you see the process here? You go from not being a believer and no fruit to, as a believer, always bearing some fruit, and maybe that's just a slight change in who you are as a person, to to bearing more fruit, to having a few things that you're doing for the Lord. But the goal is that tenfold increase, that hundredfold increase, that thousandfold increase of bearing much fruit. Fruit that you can't explain. Fruit that abounds to your account and to the Lord's in heaven. Fruit that says, I belong to the king and my whole goal is to see how fruity I can be before I leave. Amen? It's fruitfulness. And then he says, without me, you can do nothing. If you cut yourself off from all that God is, his word, the fellowship of his people and church and prayer, if you hack yourself off, you can't do a thing for the Lord. And I've met those people. They, they met Jesus 30 years ago and they're still wandering around with the binky in their mouth. They're spiritual babes. There's no, they haven't even got to milk yet. There's certainly no meat and there's no fruit either. You can't do anything without the vine. If anyone does not abide in me, is cast out as a branch and withered. And that phrase casting out again is not cast off, it's cast out. It's moved away from the vine. It's out there exposed to the elements. It's trampled on. Anybody in here been trampled on by the world because you weren't close to the vine? You had that experience of being covered with mud and dunked in the dirt? Slop and sludge is what happens because that's where you've chosen to be? God's saying, look, you can have what you want. I'm not going to make you stay here, but I'm telling you, if you cut yourself off from the vine, this is what's going to happen. It's withered. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they're burned. You know, when you have a garden or you have a vineyard or you have fruit trees, the whole point is fruit, amen? Nobody goes out and pays that water bill and does all the tending of any type of an orchard or a vineyard and says, I hope these things don't produce any fruit. Well, the whole goal is fruit. That's why you planted them in the first place. And that's true with the Lord. He's made you to bear fruit. He wants you to bear fruit. You are happiest when you're bearing fruit. And if you don't, you will be unhappy. Christians who habitually wander around as withered branches are the most miserable people on the planet because they were created in Christ for good works and you're not walking in them. You gotta walk in them. You gotta want what God wants for you. And if you abide in me and my words abide in you and notice the usage over and over again of this word live in, dwell in, set your home in, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you And by this my Father is glorified. Here it is. You want to glorify God the Father? That you bear much fruit. And so you will be my disciples. You want people to know that you're one of God's kids? Bear fruit. 
doesn't mean you're saved because you are bearing fruit. It means if you are one of God's kids, the whole purpose is to bear fruit. To make sure that people know who your king is. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Live in it. Dwell in it. You see the repetition. Abide, 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 abide. Don't leave. That's on you. That's called obedience. You know, sometimes people so emphasize the grace of God that we forget that part of this is our responsibility. I need to stay grafted into the vine. I need to quit taking my own little clippers out and going, you know what, I'd like to do a journey right now away from the vine. And you become the walking vine that's no longer connected. And there you are, you're over someplace in a pig trough and you wonder why you're miserable. It's because you're not abiding. You're not where you're supposed to be. You're someplace you're not supposed to be and you hate it because you weren't created for it. How much fruit is in the basket of your life? Just as I have kept my Father's commandments, abide in his love. Notice how those are connected. If you want to abide in the Father's love, do what God tells you to do. It's a secret to Christian living, and you can't escape it. Sometimes I have people tell me, well, you know, I don't know what God wants for me. I usually will say, well, start with the Bible and go from there. Seriously. He's talked to you so much so that if you started today and spent the rest of your life trying to figure out just the things that are in Scripture that God would have for you, you'll have plenty to do. And here it is, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy might be full. Anybody want full joy? I do. See, I want what God wants for me. Can you imagine the creator of the universe has made you to bear fruit, and it's in that bearing fruit that you'll have joy, and that joy will be full. So when Christians don't bear fruit, here's what happens. I wonder why I'm even here. Why did God create me in the first place? It's because you're not doing what he wants you to do, and thereby you feel as though your purpose is diminished. You've got to connect with God and start bearing fruit in your life. And it can be something as simple as, you know what, I'm going to have devotions. I'm actually going to talk to God and bear fruit in at least my own prayer life. I'm going to memorize, I'm going to make it my goal this year, I'm going to memorize two verses. You'd be surprised. You start bearing fruit, it's a little bit contagious. Gardening is contagious, can I tell you that? It really is. If you start gardening and you plant plants and you help them and you fertilize them and you water them and you trim them, you do all the things that a gardener should do and they start to produce fruit, I'm going for the jumbo fruit. You know, and you go out there and you check the fruit every day and you see the birds coming, you're like, ah, no, 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 you better not touch it. That's my fruit. You get zealous for fruit. You want to be fruity. You, you, you want to do something that matters. Which basket's the basket of your life? Are you meeting the master's expectation? You see, because the Lord's expectation of you is that you would bear much fruit. That's what he wants. 
But he won't make you do that. If he's chosen you for that, if he desires it, if he even expects it, because he does. Christ gave his life for you. He has the right to expect you to be fruitful. If you buy a car and it doesn't run, how much do you really like that car? The answer is not much. If the Lord created you in Christ Jesus for good works, exactly as Paul would write to the church at Ephesus. If you are actually a masterpiece created by him for good works, for fruit, kind of a bummer that Jesus paid his life for us and we give him a raisin. Don't you think? And you're not going to be happy doing it. You're going to look at other people's fruit and go, I wish I was fruitful like that. You won't have that life when you're cut off from the vine. A lot of people kind of treat God like he's a cosmic vending machine. I'm B4 and I get a new house. You know, you just start pressing buttons. No, you need to ask God what he wants in your life. You know, A6, that's a new spouse. You, start, you just start doing whatever. You're disconnected. You're not asking God what he wants for you. You are trying to tell him what you want from him. You've got to ask God what he wants because he created you for a very specific purpose. And he wants you to have what he wants. But you've got to talk to him. You've got to abide. You have to live with him. Why and I spend hours every day talking? We do. We get up in the morning, we have coffee, we sit and talk. We abide. I know the things that make up her thought processes, and she knows mine. We know those things because we abide together. And the same is true for you and God. You can't just go to him when you need something. You need to live with him so that you know what he wants for you. Then you're asking the right questions. You're saying, God, is this for me? So Jesus speaks these words as he travels through this vineyard to the Garden of Gethsemane. He defines who the elements of this great play are. He says, I'm the vine. And my father's the vine dresser. He takes care of the vineyard. He's the one that sent me into this world. You see, you can tell what's not of the vine. Did you know that? You can actually tell the things in your life that are weeds. You can tell those things that are dead branches. You can tell those things that aren't from God. And you can conversely tell the things that are from the Lord. We call them the fruit of the Spirit. With its main characteristic being exactly what Jesus said here, because the fruit of the Spirit is love. You can condense it all down to just love in all of its many facets. And so to help us understand it, it's joy and peace and long-suffering and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and, oh yeah, self-control. 
control of self so that the Lord can do whatever he wants in our lives, so that he can prune as much as he wants to prune. He can clip where he wants to clip. You see, the grapevine is that large, gnarl. I don't know how many of you have ever seen a, a grape vineyard in the late fall or in the winter after they've been pruned back from a harvest season. It doesn't look like anything could come out of them, Amen. But life is in the vine. And in the spring, when the sun pops back out and the rains come and the irrigation's turned on and the fertilizer flows, all of a sudden, boom, there's the vines. Why? Because life is in the vine. All you got to do is do what needs to be done for the vine. Water of life, the bread of life, these things that Jesus has declared he is. And oh, by the way, you've got to crucify your flesh too. You've got to remember that there's part of what you're going to be tempted and tested by the world, the flesh, and the devil will be to cut yourself off from the vine. Well, you don't want to be attached to church that much, do you? The enemy's going, oh, you're kind of taking this Jesus thing a little too seriously. I mean, come on, live a little. What he's really saying is, cut yourself off from the vine and die a little bit. Die to life in the vine. Wither up. You see, Satan doesn't tell you that. He doesn't tell you that those actions and attitudes are going to kill you. He says, oh, you're going to be way better off if you just don't take this Jesus thing too seriously. Live in Jesus? Are you kidding me? What does it mean to do that? It means to find your essential oneness of self connected completely to Jesus. It literally means that if he were to die, you would die. But a lot of people, Jesus is such a small portion of their life that if he would die, they actually wouldn't know for months, maybe years, maybe ever. They're not abiding. They're not living in him and they're not living for him. And the reason this is so important is if you don't live for him, Because he expects you to bear fruit, you're going to be so fruitless that you will be miserable. You're going to be wandering around, I don't even know what this whole Jesus thing is about. And so here's what happens. Because you were created for constant communion with the Lord. Because you're supposed to remain and dwell and be in intimate fellowship with him. When you start cutting your own limb loose to where there's just a little connection called his grace, you start to wither. And frankly, you can't tell between a dead branch and you. And so to that end, the Lord does the purposeful pruning. Any of us senior saints been purposefully pruned? Oh, yeah. Here's the problem. 
you see, we look at pruning as though, oh, this is going to hurt. He's going to, I've been putting all my effort into growing that sucker. This little shoot that came out of this thing that doesn't produce any fruit. But you know, I like my beer. I enjoy watching pornography. I'm really attached to my lying. I've put a whole bunch of time and effort and energy into this conniving, thieving part of me. And so when the Lord pulls out his pruning shears and starts to clip it, we go, wait a second. And here's the problem. The Lord loves you too much to leave you as a wayward branch. Because he paid his life for you, he is going to lift you up. So you can do one of two things. You can allow him to take out the pruning shears when it's a little thing, and he'll just snip that off. There goes the lying out of your life, or there goes the lust that would eventually lead to fornication and adultery and a whole bunch of other things. You can let him snip the lust out, or you can wait until he goes... And off goes the limb. Because you put so much time and effort into it, you now have a branch that's most of your existence. You see, he wants to purposefully prune you to bear more fruit, so he clips out these things that don't belong in the child of God. He looks at you and he says, you know, Jeff, that's got to go. And here's the problem. We want to keep that little strand of bitterness there. That unforgiveness. And the Lord's saying, no, let me clip that out of your life. Well, you don't know what they did to me, Lord. I mean, this is my identity right here. This limb, this bushy, leafy thing that produces no fruit in my life. Well, that's actually who I am now. And so the Lord's saying, well, Jeff, you know, if it gets too big, I got to take the chainsaw out. You don't want me doing that. Why don't you just let me snip that little, you got a bud right there. I'm going to take that off. You see, he has to cut those things out because he loves you. And so you have to surrender. You can choose not to. You can keep doing things your way. You can tell God, no, I'm keeping that limb. But here's how you can know it's not a limb from the Lord. It produces no fruit. Oh, it may be gigantic. It may have leaves galore. It may have now some of its own branches that have grown. It even starts to look like it is the vine. And you've met people like this. They've held on to that bitterness and anger for so long that their whole life is defined by it. 
You've met that person that struggled with some form of sexual sin that it now defines their whole existence. You've met that person who has allowed some liberty to creep into their life that has now become sin to them and it controls their life. And the Lord's saying, you know, while you're just in this infantile stage of having a little bit of an issue with this, and here's what my word says, and I want you to bear fruit, so why don't you let me cut that out? And we say, well, mm, uh, how about tomorrow? I got a party tonight. Tomorrow I'll surrender to your knife. I've got to figure out how to get out of this relationship. You know, next week, after I talk to him or I talk to her, you know, there's a few things we need to work out, so I'll then surrender to your knife then, Lord. And God's saying, you really need to let me cut that out. And you're telling him no. God will not cut a thing out of your life until you give him permission. Do you understand what I'm saying? You have to surrender. You have to, in obedience, say, Lord, that branch is not producing fruit. Take it. Otherwise, he'll let you produce a bunch of leaves and dead branches. And then at the end, because Scripture says... He still loves you, and you're still going to make it into heaven. So then at the end, right before you go home, the chainsaw comes out, and all those limbs stay here. And there's no fruit that abounds to your account. The vine wants you to bear fruit now. Be fruitful now. Not just be pruned all day, every day, but to actually bear fruit. And so as you surrender to his knife... Those things is Hebrews chapter 12, the first couple of verses there, those, those things that beset, those things that keep us from running the race, the, those things that ensnare us, those things that keep us from having endurance to produce fruit daily. You see, God will let you keep them. But that's not what he wants. You have to surrender. It's an obedience issue in our life. And if God is chastening you, it's because he loves you. If God is clipping off branches, it's because he knows they're sucking the life out of you. They're keeping you from bearing fruit. You ever wondered why some of those relationships that you're in seem to be kind of bitter most of the time. That's the Lord saying, I'd like to cut that off, but will you give it to me so I can do it? Or do you keep sheltering that branch from his pruning shears? Let him cut it. He will never cut something that belongs. And he will never cut too much. He's a master gardener in that sense. He'll just nip off what needs to go. And you'll be the better for it. And all of a sudden, instead of a dead branch that produces nothing, you're going to see some grapes coming out of that spot. Where you held on to something that has been 
keeping you from the very best that God has for you, he's going to replace it with a fruitful branch. And it brings you joy. You look and you go, wow, look at this. There's fruit coming out of my life. And so to that end, as we close, do you have any dead wood lying around? Do you have any dead wood lying around? Look, we all do. We all do. Maybe it's a little thing. We have these, I've got plumerias that, I, they're my children. And I tend to my flowers in the morning. I, I kind of go out and there'll be like two or three little dead, you know, leaves on there. And I'm like completely possessed by making sure there's no dead limbs on it. So I go in there and I snap them off. I, I, I take them and I, I throw them away. Why? Because that dead leaf is still sucking nutrients out of the rest of the plant. And so it's never going to produce another flower. It is going to die, shrivel up, and drop on the ground. So I'm taking it off before it falls off. Let God take it off before it falls off. Because it's going to die. You're going to get to heaven. You're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And so let God do those things willingly. Because here's the deal. You're going to have a fruit inspection one day. The Bible says it very clearly. 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, there's this whole picture. By the time you get to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you're going to stand before the judgment seat of God. You're going to go through a fruit inspection. Nope, that's wood, hay, and stubble. That stays. That which is of him gets to go. That's people won to faith in Christ. That's deeds done in the name of the Lord. That's fruit. uh, Me personally, I want to have so many crowns when I get to heaven that I get to throw them at Jesus' feet for a while. Not just, well, I got this little mini crown. I want to have something to give to the Lord to honor him. That's fruit. Inspect your own fruit today so that when you get there, you'll have something to give Jesus. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me and we'll close in prayer. I know maybe some of you were challenged this morning. We have our prayer team available in our prayer room. We'd love to, maybe you've got some branch that needs pruning. Need somebody to help you figure out how to surrender that to the Lord. Go and avail yourself of the prayer team. Maybe for some of you, it's just a reminder. You're doing well. Well, We can all bear more fruit, amen? So surrender those branches that maybe aren't producing in your life so that you can produce more fruit. You're going to find joy in it. You know, I look at these things going on all over the world and I think about all the people. Have you ever thought about this? You're going to get to heaven and you're going to get greeted by people who heard the gospel 
because of the fruit of your giving. You won't even know them while you're here on this earth. But you're going to get to heaven. Hi, I was in Kitgum and I gave my life to Jesus. Thank you. There's going to be people at work that just see you reading your Bible and they won't have the guts to come and ask you what you're doing. But they're going to watch and they're going to see somebody else and they're going to, you know what, I I need whatever that is. I need that. And you're going to meet them in heaven. That's fruit. We want to be fruitful. Father, thank you for making us fruitful. Thank you for grafting us into the vine. Lord Jesus, thank you that even when we're not very fruitful, you love us still. (laughs) Thanks for all those years, Lord, where I was a dead, dry branch and you loved me anyway. Lord, thank you for the time that you've taken to examine each of our branches and cut off what needs to go. And Lord, if there's someone here today that's having a tough time surrendering, God, would you help them? Would they know that you'll be good, you'll be tender, you'll be kind. You won't cut off too much and you won't cut off too little. But it's also they can bear more fruit and their basket would be full. And so God, we thank you for working with us. We thank you for walking with us. We thank you for making good out of our lives. Lord, we bless you. Thank you, Lord, for being so good to us that we might bear fruit for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.